And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to UI's the West Ham podcast from the good people at The Athletic. I'm Sam Delaney and joined as always by The Athletic's West Ham correspondent, Rashane Thomas. And we join you a couple of days after a real disappointing defeat against Everton. We could have put ourselves in pole position for a Champions League place. We couldn't quite make it. We lost 1-0. Rashane, what did you make of the game? Was it that we were bad or were Everton just very, very good at stopping us? A bit of both, really. But I actually felt like the killer blow was the day prior with uh, Chelsea getting the winning goal against Man City. And really and truly, Sam, it's all Sergio Gros fault. It's all <laughs> Sergio. All he had to do was just, just pull it in the bottom corner and then, you know, we're still in the chance to top four. But... Unfortunately, that didn't happen. I just felt like, obviously, we all know pretty much every match right now is for West Ham is a must-win. But for that match against Everton, it just felt like a game where we just couldn't lose. Like, just don't lose the match. And I felt like that pressure sort of got to the players because in the first half, I thought we were a bit poor. We didn't match the intensity we showed in the, in the, we showed in the Burnley game. After the second half, it looked a bit different. So you could tell the players sort of said at half-time, come on, what are we doing? Like, there's a lot to play for here. And I, I thought we improved a lot in the second half. But yeah, just gave Everton too much respect. I feel like Ben Griffey had too much time and space on the ball. We weren't really closing down Calvert-Lewin's runs. And obviously his goal as well could have been... Uh, Craig also could have done better in terms of defending that. So, yeah, it's a match where you're thinking, oh, a, a draw would have been good. You know what I mean? A draw would have been good, but unfortunately we couldn't get that. And at the end of the game, right? So as I told you previously, Sam, I have this habit of looking up and seeing how the players are at, looking at the director's box. I saw Karen Brady like applauding the players off, but I couldn't help but look at Vladimir Safar at the end of the match. Like, he looked so distraught, so distraught. He was on the turf, sitting down. He looked towards the bench. Then he looked up towards the heavens, just shaking his head. And then after he got up and just kicked the ball in frustration, like, I could tell by all, all the players, it really affected him the most. I don't think any of the players have got anything to be ashamed of, though, after their performance. You know, there was a few players who were a bit below the, the heights we've seen them play at this season. But I look at it, I mean, I was distraught after that result. I sort of, second half, I had a sinking feeling. I thought, we're not coming back. I could see that Everton had set up. It was a classic Italian manager. You know, they Italianed us. <laughs> basically I mean it was they were so resilient their defending was just in, in terms of the individual performances by all of their players but also by the shape of their side made it so difficult for us to play through them and and then of course when we were reduced to launching balls we're playing with one striker quite a lot of smallish players around him and they had done a job on Antonio by putting Yeri Mina on him, who I thought was superb and just nullified 
uh, Antonio for most of the game, really was able, unlike most centre-backs in the whole Premier League, was really able to match him physically. And, and I thought they just did a really, really good job against us. But I can't really look at any of the players or even David Moyes and say, oh, you let us down or you let yourselves down. I felt that some of the passing, you could see that there was nerves. You could see that they knew there was pressure and they knew there was a big opportunity for them. Because forget about Chelsea City, Leicester losing against Newcastle meant that, you, you know, I'd already thought, well, Chelsea... Chelsea are getting away from us here. But suddenly the opportunity looked to be replacing Leicester. And that was, and they could see that. So the, the fact that Chelsea won didn't really matter anymore. You look at Leicester's remaining fixtures that are very difficult. And you sort of think, we've got a real opportunity here if we beat Everton. And I felt that the players had that in their mind. Now, if you take that and you add it to the fact that we are missing two of the great leaders in the team, Declan Rice, the captain, Angelo Bonner, who's very much like a lot of the time is the vice captain and also is the guy who leads our defence. And then on top of that, Mark Noble's missing as well. The fact that we are still competing at this level, the fact that there are three games to go and we still have a chance, however small, of qualifying for the Champions League. And the fact that we are doing all of that, despite having been missing Rice, Ogbonna for large parts of the season, other crucial players like Antonio and Cresswell. It's absolutely remarkable. We lost 1-0 to Everton in a game that was extremely tight. And let's not forget, we dominated possession and we did have, I would say, two very, very good chances. You know, on another day, Ben Rama might have buried his header or Kufal's effort might have just been half a centimetre further inside the post. And Bowen with the rebound. And Bowen with the rebound, unlucky the way it came back at him. And so I think it's it's hard to sort of put the blame on West Ham, considering circumstances. In fact, I've almost become so philosophical about it that I think we should be really proud of the fact that despite being riddled with injuries and all the crucial players missing, and then even losing Lanzini and Cresswell during the game, the game was won by one sucker punch goal. Uh, shoot, and I saw, I forgot which, which West Ham account it was, because if I knew, I'll give you guys credit, but someone pointed out that they feel like Dalton struggles has been down to Rice not being in the team. And I think it's an interesting point, because if you think of someone like Anag the up to an extent is, but Anag Dawson, they're not really ball-carrying defenders. So while they're good in the air, good at making tackles and whatnot, and good leaders, they don't really carry the ball from the back. That's tend to be Declan Rice. He will drop back into that defence position and, lead, and then make driving runs forward. Well, him or Thomas, who's Solchek. And I feel like without Rice being in the team, they're having to do that a lot more now. And that leads to mistakes. So I thought that was an interesting point. And you know what? My other takeaway from that performance as well, Sam, it just shows how... Profilic- I think the word is pronounced profiligate, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I'll be reading dictionary, Sam. I'll read the dictionary. I'm trying, yeah, to, I'm trying to... I'm trying to I'm trying to let you do words. <laughs> it's, it's impressive, mate. Just, words. Just, 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 just remember, go easy on me, because yeah. you know <laughs> I'm going to nod along and pretend I understand, mate. <laughs> so basically, what it, it just showed how like lack of lack of um, well lack of consistency we are in, in terms of attacking chances. So barring that chance for Carter Lewin, I can't really think of like any other like major major opportunities Everton had at scoring. 
Apart yeah, we from had... the second half when there was a clearance off the line. I think oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 by Dawson, yeah, yeah. But we had, as you touched on, Ben Rama, Safal, Bowen. And if you look back on the previous game against Burnley, I thought had loads of chances in other players. Ben Rama had a chance in that match as well. So I thought like one thing we need to improve on, don't get me wrong, it's been a great season, as we all know. But in terms of our weakness, we definitely need to like try and cut out not putting away big chances because... In the game against Everton, it, it, when, when, when Byron Rama missed that chance, you sort of knew, okay, that's going to come back to Haunt West Ham. You just knew straight away it would come back to Haunt West Ham. As you've touched on, nervy game, one of those matches where if you don't bury it, you're going to regret it. And I just feel like something we need to improve on next season in terms of just being more clinical. Of course. But, you know, you look at it and it's so, we are so unused to being in a situation like this, West Ham. We've never been in a situation like this. We have never been chasing a Champions League place this late in the season. I mean, really, truth be told, we've never chased the Champions League place apart from very briefly in the last season at Upton Park. But that was a dream that sort of emerged and disappeared within the matter of a few weeks. Whereas we have now, since the turn of the year, been consistently in the running. There's three games left. So as I've said before, I'll say it again, this season is a massive success, no matter what happens. We might not feel that way if on the last day we wind up finish at, finishing eighth. We'll feel, oh, that's a shame. But we, but on reflection, we all know that this has been a superb season for us, you know. But we're not used to competing at this very high level. At this very, very high level, uh, when you're competing against the sort of clubs we are who are rarely going to make mistakes or, or lose, then, of course, you have to be taking every single chance you can possibly get. Now, Chelsea sometimes aren't doing that. And they've got people like Timo Werner playing for them who they signed for crazy money in the summer. And even he misses chances, right? I think, and I don't know uh, for this for sure, but I'm pretty sure Antonio would have scored more goals than Werner this season, you know? Um, so, yeah. Of course, we need to take every chance, but there's a few. There's only a few strikers in the Premier League who are doing that. If, if you maybe have Harry Kane, do you know what I mean? But even even if you look at the the the, the team who are going to win the league, City don't have a have a player like that anymore. You know, Aguero's not that player anymore. Jesus isn't that player. Liverpool, their players have been misfiring this season. You know, and so, yeah, if we had a clinical strike, if we had someone who was as clinical as Harry Kane, i.e. someone who is going to bury nine out of ten chances that he gets every single week, right? Then we'd probably won. We'd probably have won the league this season. But it's just not going to happen. We could go out and sign Tammy Abrams or this lad at Seville who we're after or whatever. Might not make a difference. Uh, you know, even if we go out and sign both of those, I think we're going to... You know, it would be a miracle if we have a season next year as good as this one. So it's just, it's, it's we're competing at a level now where you look at that game against Everton and we really competed in that game. Yeah, we were disappointing. Yeah, we didn't play like we had done against Burnley where it felt that every time we had possession, we were going to create something. But yeah, we weren't playing Burnley, we were playing Everton. It's a team who spent millions in the summer. They got Carlo Ancelotti, one of the world's best managers, coaching them. You know, and we went toe-to-toe -to -toe with them and it was an extremely tight game. And truth be told, that's happened in most games this season when we've come up against Liverpool, City, United. Pretty much on every occasion, although the result hasn't always gone our way, we have gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with these teams. And when you play against these teams, these are elite, global elite clubs, a lot of them. You know, like, it, it, it's a tiny margin 
and it'll be a split second of magic from one of their players. I was thinking about and thinking, you know, a lot of United fans like Lingard, but a lot of them are a bit sceptical about him. And the reason that most people say that Lingard fell out of favour, um, I know he had personal issues, but from a playing point of view, is that when United have to deal with every single game they play, being against the team who were going to, home or away, defend against them, right? And what and West Ham aren't used to that. We're not used to watching West Ham go up against teams who want to sit back, right? And that's what even Everton, which is a massive compliment to us, Everton turn up, and I wouldn't say they parked the bus, but it was a wholly, it was a, it was a, it was an approach to the game that was wholly based on stopping us doing what we do. And that's what teams at the top have to deal with every single week. And that is the level West Ham are currently having to operate at. We might not next season, but this season, that's what we're having to operate at. And when you take all of that into account, I am still astonished that there are three games left. There is still a chance of us qualifying for the Champions League, however much that seems to be fading. It is a chance. Yeah. It's a reasonable chance. I'd stick a quid on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not two, but I'd stick one on. <laughs> one by 50, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And, and and you know, and we've had injuries and we've got the smallest squad in the Premier League. It is, I'm astonished. And that's what I had to tell myself because it, it, I mean, not even joking, it hit me very hard, the, the, the result on Sunday. It really hit me hard because we had a lot of hope. After Leicester losing, there was a huge amount of hope. You sort of saw this becoming an absolute reality. As you said before, I could hear that Champions League music. I could hear it, right, inside my head. And so it hit me hard, but I had to work very hard in my mind afterwards to, to get myself back into a place where I could get up on Monday morning and carry on with my life, mate. <laughs> and, and all you can do is look at positives. And it is astonishing that we are where we are. Hold on, I forgot what game it was. Oh, I forgot what match it was, but you said after, I think we either draw or, or, or loss. And you said you went for a long nap after. You had the long yes. nap. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I can't remember I do what that game sometimes. I do that sometimes because sometimes if the emotion gets too much for me, I have to just switch off. Yeah. <laughs> because I have to escape into sleep. <laughs> Mate, I do that just in my life generally. Sometimes if I'm like, um, if I'm feeling tired, or no, not obviously if I'm feeling tired of sleep, but if I'm feeling like angry, right, or frustrated or grumpy, I catch myself and I think, bloody hell, mate, you're being a bit grumpy. And then I think, well, you're either hungry or you're tired, like a toddler, right? So I'll have a snack first. And if I'm still feeling grumpy, I'm like, right, that's me off to bed, mate. I set the alarm on my phone. I give myself half an hour. <laughs> Don't underestimate the power of a quick nap. I know. See, I'm the same to you, fair enough. I think a lot of us are like, West Ham play poorly or lose, get annoyed after. So I used to go on walks, but it's not helping because sometimes I'll be walking past and I was like, oh, do you watch the match or oh, do you watch Arsenal play or do you watch Chelsea play? I think I'm already here about football right now. I'm, yeah. I'm devastated, right? I'm already here about football. So you know, I started doing some. Yeah. I've downloaded this game, right? Classic games. I'm not sure if you remember it from when you're younger. It's called Roller Coaster Tycoon. No, I don't remember I'm, it. Okay, really, really good game plan. Roller Coaster Tycoon route. Right, I downloaded it. Oh, it's helped me out big time, mate. It's helped me out big time. Do you build roller coasters on it? Pretty much. Basically, I have a profitable business right now called Fort Park Replica. Yeah. That's what it is, pal. Fort Park Replica. And what so, are you playing this on? Is this oh, on oh, PlayStation oh, or what? No, no, on my phone, on my Samsung. 
Oh, well, Samson, mate. So, <laughs> but you know what? Just touching the earlier point about players who can make South Africa nothing. And you mentioned De Bruyne. Remember his assist for Ruben Diaz in that in that two one exactly. defeat. Exactly. That's you know, it. Something that's like it. that. But you that game was tight until that until he yeah. put, and that's what happens. You have got a player like that who can pull it out. We've got lots of players who. I mean, we might get a chance later to talk about the uh, Premier League team of the season and who we feel West Ham, what West Ham players should be in it. I would probably say it should be about ten West Ham players. <laughs> but to be fair. I will hold my hands up and admit, and I've admitted, but I barely watch other teams, so I just don't know. <laughs> I just assume, well, no one could be better than all of our players. But, um, yeah, you, you know, we've got a lot of good players, but then there are certain, there's maybe half a dozen players in the Premier League who yeah. are world elite players, and they will yeah. do that to you. Like a yeah, De Bruyne or a Salah or a Harry Kane, you know, some of these players will just pull something out of nowhere. Yeah, for sure. But you mentioned the earlier point about um, Tammy Abraham or the Seville striker whose name is Yusuf and Ezrai, about whether or not they'll make an impact if we were to sign them. I actually feel like, listen, they're both great strikers in my opinion, but as it pertains to Tammy Abraham, I feel like he's massively underrated and mm. I can see Moyes getting the best out of him. My I colleague agree. Simon Johnson reported on Monday that West Ham want to sign Tammy Abraham alone this summer because obviously, as we all know, Chelsea want in a region of like 35 to 45 million for Tammy Abraham, mm. which in the grand scheme of things, looks looks unlikely. Bearing in mind, the club spent what forty five million Sebastian Hilaire, and they're still coming to get about what two years yeah. on. Yeah. So, but if we do get him Malone, right, I feel like he'd be a great signing for us, Sam. I really do. As I touched, on, I think he's massively underrated. Like massively underrated. Mm. He's scored eight goals this season, and he's hardly played since the turn of the year. Yeah, stuff like that. Plays for England. He's got Champions League experience. In fact, my piece this week will be on like whether where he would fit into the team. And what I've noticed, he's such a poacher. Like he scores yeah. tappings, and we need players like that. We we're not gonna have a striker yeah. who's gonna dribble past like five players and score. Yeah, yeah. Goals. I mean, well, the thing about Antonio is, I love Antonio, but he's it's hard to categorize him. Antonio, he's not like any other player in the Premier League, really. Not certainly no other striker. Um, and he's not. This sounds really harsh, but I wouldn't say he's like a natural finisher. There are certain players, oh, like Harry Kane's sort of player, who if he's played in and there's half a chance, he doesn't even need to look. Do you know what I mean? He's like, it's a terrible cliche, but he knows where the goal is to such an extent that you just get the impression he's sort of player who just trains day in, day out, just finishing from every conceivable angle. So he knows what, what he has to do. Some players are like that. Robbie Fowler was like that. Michael Owen was like that. They just kind of, you give them half a second and it's a first time finish straight into the back of the net. I don't think Antonio is that kind of player. Tammy Abraham, a real just died in the wall goal scorer finisher but also with a lot of pace and he's strong as well. To me, mate, he seems very similar to the Lingard signing, i.e. a player who has played for England for whatever, is at a club that's so big and rich and successful that they've kind of somehow found themselves on the fringes. But that's only because of the size of club they're at. And if someone showed a lot of belief in them, then they could really become a superstar. And that's basically what Moyes has done with Lingard. And I think that, it, you know, I don't know what what Abrams is like as a bloke. I'm not comparing him to Lingard in that sense. But I think that, you know, Moyes has proven now that he can take someone who perhaps isn't being shown the sort of support or confidence that, that he could be elsewhere, put that into him, turn him into a world beater. Plus the fact that he's young, and English, I just sort of have this feeling that he would fit in to our setup. Do you know what I mean? Just in again, in the way Lingard has, the way Lingard has slotted in so well and 
become like obviously so close to people like Rice and Criswell and Noble and Antonio. Do you know what I mean? I just sort of I can really see Abraham doing the same thing. So I hope it happens. Whether or not Chelsea would be willing to put him out on loan, I just can't tell really. I suppose it would make sense. They certainly don't need money. And if he came to West Ham and managed to bag 20 goals, then that means his value could potentially double the following summer. Yeah. So in all honesty, I'd rather like West Ham sign him and bring him on loan because we've seen it with Lingard. Great loan spot so far, but it's only going to make Wayne United increase the price when mm. it comes to negotiating. And the thing with Tammy Abraham, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but he's a good singer. <laughs> he's a very, singer. very good singer. Really? Yeah, he loves he loves R&B song, Tammy. He loves R&B song. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I always look for that in a player. I like to know that they've got a good singing voice. <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, you've got Lingard, the dance moves. You got mm. what Antonio dance moves as well. Rice, you know the drums. Four Niles, the drums. Yeah. And you got Tammy Abraham, one of the leaders. That's this. This the band. That's what you say. You go, this mate. Jo- join the band. Join the band. We're going right to the top. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hello, listeners. Sorry to interrupt your show, but we've got a small favor to ask. We're currently doing a bit of a survey to find out more about you, your podcast listening habits, and the sort of adverts that are most relevant to you. If you feel like helping, please head to surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio UK. That's pretty catchy, so I'll say it one more time. Surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio UK. Thank you. You've got to have ambition. We've got to qualify for Europe. I want to go away. I want to go and watch West Ham in Tbilisi. I want to be in a situation where there are no flights left. So I've had to get three trains, a ferry and a hire car <laughs> and a coach to get to Tbilisi to see West Ham play. That's what I want. So, so we, need to, we need to get you some flip-flops, some quarter length, some, some sunglasses, pal. We've we got, we got to get the... the I want to get my Sandalini on tour kit ready over the summer, mate. For sure. Uh, that, that's what I want. I, I've no idea what this Euro conference is or whatever it's called. I've never heard of it. I can't for a moment understand why they would have bothered invented another bloody tournament when everyone's sick of the Europa League and the Champions League group stages as it is. So I don't know what's going on <laughs> with, with UEFA. You might be able to tell me about that. But I, so I'm not I'm not even sure whether I want us to get into that because I don't understand what it is. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I'm happy to see us in the Europa League. And um, I think now, I don't know what you think. I think that's probably the most likely scenario looking at the fixtures. I think yeah. I think we will get enough points out of these last three games to finish in the top six. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of West Ham potentially finishing top four, I think that we would massively rely on needing to Leicester to have a massive blip in form. 
Leicester will face Chelsea, Tottenham and Man United. We need yeah. them to ideally lose two of the next three games. Yeah, but the thing is, I don't think that... Reg- that there's two things about that. I don't think that necessitates a massive blip in form because their form isn't great. They've been... They have really, like, been lacking for a, a couple of months now. Do you, yeah. know, do you know what I mean? They're only still up there based on the amount of points they accumulated earlier in the season. Don't forget, it's not that long ago that we battered them, end up being 3-2, but really, let's be fair, we battered them. Uh, now they've lost lost to Newcastle, which, by the way, made me feel a little bit better about us losing to Newcastle <laughs> as well, right? Um, they are not in the best of form, right? It was the same last season. They fell away. don't know whether it's because of the way that Brendan Rodgers makes them play or train. They seem to fall away at the end of the season. They have got seriously difficult last three games. With the exception, I could see them beating Tottenham. I don't think they're going to get a result against United or against Chelsea. I don't. Well, fingers, fingers crossed, Park, because if, if that could definitely play into our hands in terms of our relatively easy games coming up. But as yeah. I touched earlier, Sam, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not confident. I know you mentioned two players we missed for Brighton, but I'm just not confident for this game. Well, what I'm, is it that you scares you? You've, you've mentioned this several times <laughs> over yeah. the last few weeks, right? Even three games ago, you were already fretting about Brighton and Hove Albion, mate. Just because they've beaten us, although I think we drew with them earlier this season. It's, it's still a bright. It's bright. I mean, I don't want this to come back and all, mate. I'm not saying they can't beat us. Of course they can beat us. But think of everything we've achieved this season. Almost every time we've played a team who are below us, we've beaten them. That's what's interesting. You know, we, we always, we, we've struggled against the teams around us. Yeah. But we've kind of made, we, we've always found a result against the teams who are below us. Yeah, it's true. But it's Brighton. I've been having nightmares about this game, pal. I've been having nightmares. It's, it's Brighton. And you know what? We haven't won the Amex in, te- on, what, 10 years? Since 2011. And yeah, do you remember, we remember haven't that? played much there. Yeah. I mean, they've do only you... been in division a couple of years. That, that's, a, that's a fair point. But remember that game last season where we were like 3-1 up and then yeah. <laughs> 3-3 draw against Brighton? Yeah, but I don't we were under, we were in a relegation battle at that stage. I remember watching that game. That was, believe it or not, that was actually was that that was near the beginning of yeah. It was it was near beginning. Of, it was twenty. It was near beginning of twenty twenty. It was just before lockdown and COVID. So yeah. I, I remember being away working in Edinburgh watching that, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. But that's a different West Ham. You know, they are. We we this season we drew against them, right? But it was at Christmas. And weirdly, we picked we picked a very peculiar team that day. Moyes. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a picture, yeah. He was resting players because we had such a busy fixture list. And he, he picked a peculiar team. He put Noble back in. I think it was Dawson's debut. He'd left picking Dawson until that point. And uh, Johnson played and actually scored. So it was like he played a weird team who hadn't played with each other much before. And I felt that if we'd played a first first choice team, we would have beaten Brighton that day. So I think now you got Dunk is obviously their best defender, and you got Morpé, who's their threat going forward. They don't have much of a threat going forward other than him, in my opinion. Rice is back for us, and these are the sorts of games where there is a little bit more space. These are the sort of games like the Burnley game, or when we played Leeds. Or when we played Sheffield United, these are teams who, who where you tend to see players like Lingard, Ben Rama, if he stays in the team, which he may well not, Bowen, 
these are the games where those players get to thrive a bit more. It was bloody tough for them against Everton because Ancelotti just knew how to combat their threat. Yeah. There wasn't all that space that they're usually running into, you know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I should be at the game on um against the uh, Brighton on Saturday because they'll be giving out two passes for us, which has been very, very nice. So yeah, oh, that'll nice. be a nice a nice trip to the seaside power. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it goes our way because we're invited and definitely great away day. One of the best away days in the Premier League you can oh, go for, to. For sure. What oh, what is it? I used to, I'll tend to get when I go Brighton. Stick a rock. Yes, that's it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you really go and get yourself stick a rock. For get sure. yourself get yourself up the pier, mate. I like to go. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah. I, I took my boy there last time we played Brighton away, and it was still August. And it was the best day. We went down. We got there early so we could go up the pier. And you know what I like to play, mate? The old coins. You know the, <laughs> you know the coining machine? I love that. Oh, I love, I, when I'm at the seaside, I love to get on the coins. I love coining almost as much as I love football, mate. Oh, so for me, it's the perfect day out. You get up the pier, you get on the coins, you win a couple of little souvenir key rings out of the coining machine, <laughs> right? With your little plastic tub or two-piece. Then up to the game. And then, uh, then we went for a pizza away. And bloody brilliant away day that well, is. You, you got to spend like twenty pounds to get the key ring because it, it just keep it, it never drops at the right time. Mate, it's not about the money. Right? <laughs> it's a, it's about the taking part. Yeah, you just the sense of sat. You can't put a price. You cannot put a price, Rashane, on the sense of joy and satisfaction you get as that little key ring <laughs> falls from the shelf, right, oh, and into that little door where you can grab it. That feeling, you get filled with such satisfaction and euphoria. I don't care if I've spent 40 quid in 2p pieces to get there. It's well worth it. You know what? For some reason, right, the chips taste really nice in Brighton. Mm. It tastes, and then you've got the seagull yeah. trying to bother you as well, trying to get some the of the seagulls chips. Seagulls will chum and nick them because they know how good oh. they taste. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a great place, mate. I'm delighted you're going to have a great day out. And uh, I think we're going to win it. I think I think we got a very good chance of winning our last three games. With I wouldn't be saying that if Declan wasn't back. But with Declan back, I think it gives a, a team a really good shake-up. It releases Suchek, right, in, in a way that he, he hasn't... These last few games with Declan out, Suchek's had to be doing much more defensive duty. He hasn't been able to be making so many marauding runs into the area. So many tight games. Exactly like, I mean, funny enough, it was Suchek who won us the game against Everton, which was just as tight. We beat Everton um, at Goodison, but it was a very late goal from Suchek in a very tight game. And it was just Suchek being in that advanced position that he gets himself into when Rice is playing that won us that game. It was a deflection and he, and he finished it off. And uh, we haven't had that from Suchek. Suchek has not been... And, and I think, you know, if Rice had been playing against Everton, we would have... First of all, I think he would have got hold of that situation that led to their goal much sooner. I think he would have, like you say, he would have brought the ball out from the back more, which would have probably created more space for our attacking players. And I also think it would have mean, meant that Suchek... Because when we were hitting high balls into the area... Their defenders were very good at clearing those, but a lot of them were just being aimed at Antonio, who's decent in the air, but not a major threat. You know, I think if Suchek was, uh, had more ability to go forward, but remember, for most of the game, he was, he was partnering four nows. So even more than when he's got Noble next to him, he had to do all the defensive responsibility. I mean, four nows is great at shutting players down and getting around, but... He's not someone who you just say sit there in front of the back four like Declan Rice does. Yeah. 
for sure. That said, I thought Four Nails was our best player. Uh, you know what, right? Because um, before the match, I saw this um, this clip on Sky Sports in terms of like Oscar nominations. Who's what's what's been goal of season? What's been yeah. sign of season? And before the video, it was like a little preview video. So I didn't get to see who Antonio uh, picked for unsung hero of the mm. season. But mine will definitely be Four Nails because. Mm. The way this guy's improved, my goodness. And I, I wrote a piece in it in February. I said, right, Four Nows is that song you skip on shuffle. It's, that <laughs> song, it's the song you skip on shuffle, right? I mean, you know what? You're thinking, let me just listen to the song once. Let me just, I keep skipping it. I might as well just listen to the song. So mm. You listen to it and you think, you know what? This is actually a really good song. Yeah. It's a really good song. I've asked Four Nows because he struggled in his first season, as we all know, played on like left back, right back, midfield, left wing, right wing. It's all over mm. the place. Now he's got a position he's, he's good at. Even when Lanzini came off, because Fournals started in the wing. When Lanzini came off for injury, Fournals went in central. Suchek still played, still played well. Like, this guy's improved so much. I'm happy for him because it, show, it goes to show. But listen, every player will struggle to, like, acclimatise to a new league, different system. But there's a good player there. And we're seeing that at Fournals and we're being rewarded with that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, I'm Adam Hurry and Football Clichés is the podcast you never knew you needed. Every week, to quite unnecessary depth, we examine the words, the phrases, the accepted wisdom, the mannerisms, the habits, the gestures, the symbols, the sounds and the smells that everyone takes for granted in football, but which really are the glorious glue that holds it all together. For example, have you ever really listened to the Football League goals roundups? I mean, really listen to them? Because they all sound pretty much like this. Team X went into this game with just one win in their last 13 and when Team Y took the lead inside four minutes at Stadium Z, the home fans were probably starting to fear the worst. 
But Striker Ray had other ideas, and this game turned on its head in the space of five minutes midway through the second half. First, a smart finish from the edge of the box brought Team X level, and he repeated the trick on the hour mark to bring his tally for the season to 22. By now, Team X were in the mood, and although Striker A squandered a gilt-edge chance to complete his hat-trick, on-loan Dutchman winger B made it three with a curling effort from long range. Team Y's misery was compounded in stoppage time when midfielder C's late challenge on fullback D saw them reduced to ten men. An afternoon to forget for manager E's men then, but Team X will hope they have finally turned a corner under caretaker boss manager F. Listen to Football Clichés wherever you get your podcasts and also ad-free when you subscribe to The Athletic. i tell you one thing, there's a lot of fans saying we've better spend money. We've had such a good season, they've got to back Moyes now and we've got to sign real top-class, world-class players. And all I would say about that in the aftermath of the Super League is that, of course, part of you, your heart as a fan always wants your club to sign superstars, right? But I think people need to join the dots between... Things like the Super League, which we were all against, and the fact that we as fans constantly demand more from our clubs in terms of the money they spend, right? What clubs like West Ham and even much bigger clubs like Manchester United have got themselves involved in is a situation whereby no matter how much money they have coming in from TV and sponsorship, they always somehow find themselves spending more, right? against projected future earnings, which in the case of a club like West Ham aren't even guaranteed because we're, we're always one season away from relegation, right? So if we are the sort of fans who are going to be constantly saying, I don't care, Sullivan needs to get his wallet out, Sullivan needs to buy this player, that player and the other player, we just need to do it, if not, it's a disgrace. You need to sort of start thinking to yourself, listen, this doesn't necessarily make sense. This is why clubs found themselves in a situation where they were trying to join a European Super League that we all hated the idea of. But why that Super League was being formed was largely because these clubs had over-leveraged debt, right? And the reason they had had to go into so much debt is partly we as fans play a part in that because we demand more constantly, right? We think, especially at this club at West Ham, and by the way, I'm, you know, I'm I'm bored out, but that's because I think that they're not very competent, right? I don't think they're good for the culture of the club. I don't think they've managed the club well. I don't think they've been honest with fans. But when it comes down to money, especially after the Super League, I now think to myself, I don't think I'm going to judge these owners on the basis of how much money they spend, because I actually don't believe it to be true that they have a load of money that they're pocketing for themselves. I think the club as a business is, is being run probably beyond its means as it is. So I don't necessarily want to see us be stretched even further, just so we can have the short-term thrill in a transfer window of hearing that we've signed three, four or five superstars. And, and what's more, I find it much more satisfying, 10 times more satisfying, when we unearth a Soufal, a Suchek, a Boeing, you know, these players who won huge money, but have come in, and have made a huge difference. A, a Dawson. Look at Dawson. Dawson has been a revelation this season, right? And we got him for next to nothing. So uh, I, I take much more satisfaction from that than I do of going out and us buying. You know, I mean, there, there's not been a big signing that West Ham have made that has worked out in almost ever. I can't remember a record signing ever just coming in and being brilliant. The best signing we ever made, actually, was Dean Ashton. 
Dean Ashton was the best record signing we ever made under Alan Pardew. And unfortunately, he got injured. But that's one of the only times I can think where we've gone out, we've splashed the cash. We've really gone for it. Like, you know, we're going to bet the whole lot on red. And it's paid off. And even then, because we're West Ham, we have bad luck and the bloke gets a career-ending injury a couple yeah, of years know. later. You know? On the, on the whole, I don't want us to go out and do all that stuff. I've got to give you a clap for that, Sam, because you're absolutely on the money. Absolutely on the money. And again, it's good culture because what happens with the likes of Safal, Dawson, well, not Dawson, he's slightly older, but Solchek, resale value, right? God forbid we sell him anytime soon. But if it does happen, we're getting loads of money for him. Yeah. Loads of money for him. When was the last time we signed that we sold a player for a profit, right? We we might say if we sell Rice, that's different. This is a player who's come through the academy. But how often do West Ham go out, sign a player, and then sell him on for like a huge profit? Of course we don't, because we either make the wrong signing or we completely overpay in the first place. So there's no hope of them ever going up in value. And we make humiliating losses like the one on Sebastian Hallet. You know, I don't want us to be that club. That is not us. And I don't, and I think our fans, we should all learn to be a little bit more humble. We should learn that the Super League is is partly, not entirely, but partly the result of a culture amongst fans, many of whom think that it's as easy as playing FIFA or football manager, who just want more, 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 more superstars and say mad things like, why aren't we competing? Chelsea is signing this player. Tottenham is signing that player. United is signing that player. That's the level we should be competing at. No, it's not. We shouldn't be. Yeah. Just get yeah. used to it. You chose West Ham. Take some pride in the fact that we're not a club who just throw money at a situation and buy success, right? Take some pride in the fact that you're willing to support a club through bad times because we can't just buy everything that we require. Take some pride in the fact that we have been one of the best teams in the Premier League this season precisely because we had a manager who had the courage and the balls not to overspend in the last two transfer windows and work harder with the resources he had at his disposable at his disposal. I feel a lot more proud of supporting a team like that than I would do being a fan of City or Chelsea or any of these other clubs who fix the slightest problem by going out and just spaffing 100 million quid up the wall. I don't, I don't want that. That's why I support West Ham. So I think everyone should think about that in this transfer window. You've actually just given me an idea for a piece, Sam. <laughs> You've actually just given me That's an idea. That's what I was trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I agree. Yeah. Definitely, you're spot on. And I'd imagine all the listeners will definitely agree with that. Myself and others are definitely agree with the fact that I get more satisfaction out of seeing someone like a social coming in who we never heard of and seeing him do well. That, that means more, a lot more to me than signing someone like smashing there for 45 million and then we just lose, what, 20, 25 million when we sell him. Doesn't make sense. So. Let, let, let's not be let's not be Tottenham. Let's not be a bunch of spoiled brats who are constantly asking their parents for bigger and better Christmas presents, right? Let's not be those guys because sometimes if you look at Twitter, there are West Ham fans who are like that, and it's like get real. Let's not be babies, right? We're West Ham. We don't need to be doing this, right? Let's go out and fight. Let's this summer hope that that David Moyes goes out and finds another Thomas Suchet. That would make me delighted. I hope that our striker ends up being a player who's sitting here today on the 11th of May, you and I have never heard of yet. But by this time next year, we're both going to have tattoos of his name on our arm. And it'll be difficult because the name will probably be Czech. 
<laughs> um, so real weird letters. We can get a match in tattoo. We can get it done in Brighton Park. Match in tattoo. Yeah, tattoo. beautiful. Now you're talking. Right, let's wrap it up. Anything big to uh, for us to look forward to in the athletic this week? So, yeah, my next piece this week will be on, like, just looking at where Tamir Hibram would fit in at, at, uh, at West Ham. I'm definitely going to do a piece on Sam's passionate speech just now and why yes, mate. you shouldn't buy an expensive signing, but look out for more hidden gems like Safal and Solcheck. And providing it, it goes to plan, if it's Saturday, I plan on doing a big read on what on earth happened during that 2010-11 season when we got relegated. Oh, so. my God. Well, there's a lot of stories to tell there. Uh, well, I look forward to all of that. That sounds brilliant. Uh, as masochistic as it might sound, I think I do want to read a long article about our last relegation, <laughs> weirdly. But I suppose that's another part of being a West Ham fan. Thanks, ladies and gents, for listening. Let's keep the faith. Let's celebrate what's been a great season and here's the nine points to round it all off. Come on, you irons, and remember, everyone, there's only one. Sumasiabu! The Athletic.